Go ahead and turn to Genesis 37. We're going to be, we're going to be uh, going verse by verse, I guess, through Genesis. That's what I had planned for tonight in, in the narrative of Joseph. Though, uh, I, like I said this morning, and I'm going to continue to say it, the verse that we need to keep in mind is near the end in Genesis 50 verses 20 through 21 but as for you you meant evil against me but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive now therefore do not be afraid I will provide for you and your little ones and he comforted them and spoke kindly to them God was the author and the facilitator of Joseph and his family's deliverance and God can be our deliverer too. I studied this true Bible story and I saw an easy comparison as I was studying between the life of Joseph and the life of Jesus. Let's go together through this story and let me show you the comparisons that I found of Joseph and Jesus. And uh, give you some final thoughts on this great Bible chapter, Genesis 37. Genesis 37, beginning with verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Now this part to me, as I studied, uh, it feels like it needs to be part of chapter 36, where it's going through all these different genealogies and who had who and who begot who. Uh, but the transition is made here in, here in verse 2 uh, from genealogy to the specifics of, of Joseph. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Joseph was out feeding the flock with Dan, with Naphtali, with Gad and with Asher. Those are the sons of, of Bela and Zilpha. That's who he's out feeding the flocks with. And it seems like he's kind of a tattletale. But as I studied, because of the relationship that we'll see that he had with his father, and by the way, he was held in such a high esteem in Potiphar's house, and later on in prison, and later on in, 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 in front of Pharaoh. Jacob may have put Joseph in charge of, of the sheep and, and his brothers. So he may have been bringing back a business report rather than just a tattletale report. Verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. This, this coat or, or tunic, tunic is the icing on the hate cake for the brothers. I mean, they hate their brother. Verse 4, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Have you ever hated someone so bad that you couldn't speak peaceably to them? This hatred of the brothers reminds me of the true words of, of Jesus to his disciples in John chapter 15 verses 18 through 20 he says if the world hates you 
the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is no, not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will also keep yours, Jesus said. When we do God's will, we show that we love him. When we keep his word, John chapter 14, verse 24, we show that we love him. Continuing on back in Genesis 37 verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they, they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I dreamed. There were binding sheaves. There we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers. And he said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your, shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Even Jacob rebuked Joseph for his dream, which his brothers probably loved. They probably loved that rebuke. They envied their brother. They were jealous of Joseph. They wanted what he had. Jesus was envied too. Before, before Pilate, you know, the Roman governor, and he was trying to get Jesus released. That's what, the, that's what the context of the passage bears out in Matthew 27, verses 17 and 18. Uh, Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or, or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Jesus was envied too. They were, the, the people were jealous of, of, of Jesus, just like they were Joseph. Jesus was envied by the Jews. They envied the relationship that he had with his disciples. They, they envied his knowledge. They envied his position, just like the patriarchs did Joseph. But notice that Jacob kept the matter in mind. Here's another similarity between Joseph and Jesus. This is, when I read this, this is what stuck in my mind. In Luke chapter 2, verse 19, when the shepherds, glorified God at the birth of Christ. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Uh, you know, a, a mother or a father who loves their children, they'll, they'll remember those days, those good days, you know, and we'll ponder those things and we'll keep those things in our hearts. When Jesus amazed the teachers as a temple, in the temple as a boy in Luke 2, Luke 2, verse 51, it says his mother kept all those things in her heart. Genesis 37, verse 12. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. 
And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Now Joseph here seems to be in a position of authority, doesn't he? He's going to come back with with word of the flock and his brothers to his father. Uh, He has his father's direct order to back him up, doesn't he? Just like Jesus, right? Jesus was of the father. Jesus didn't didn't say anything unless unless it was of the father, did he? Verse 15, now a certain man found him, and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, what are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding the flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here. For I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Dothan was some 80 miles from Shechem. The brothers were 80 miles away from where they were supposed to be. 80 miles away from where they were supposed to be. You know, I love Joseph. I love his temperament here. Uh, The lesson here of this man asking him, the lesson that I got from that in the New Testament way would be, if somebody's asking, what are you doing? Are you out searching for your brothers? Are you out searching for them? They may not be where you think they are. They may be somewhere far away. Are you willing to to go the extra mile, so to speak, for your your brothers and find them wherever they are? Uh, Again, 80 miles uh, they were away from where they were supposed to be, and the Lord only knows uh, what they were doing. But whatever they were doing, they were keeping a sharp eye out. People who care for sheep, they watch the sheep. But people who do bad things, they have a lookout, don't they? They sure do. Now, verse 18, now when they saw him afar off, even before he came to them, they conspired against him to kill him. Jesus told a parable once. It was really about himself. Matthew 21, verses 33 through 40. He says, hear ye another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it and, and, and dug a wine press in it and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went to a far country. Now, when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took the servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned one. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first. And they did likewise to them. Then last of all, he sent his son to them saying, they will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir, come, let's kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? Of course, that son who was killed is is Jesus. Jesus knew he too was going to be conspired against. This 
parable is prophetic to what happened to Jesus. In Matthew 26, verses, verses 3 and 4, then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. Uh, Matthew 27, verse 1, when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. I... I I didn't put this on the screen, but I added this one. John 11, verse 53. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. They conspired to do this. Just like in Joseph's life, before he got to his brothers, they conspired to kill him. They conspired to kill Jesus too. Back to Genesis 37, verse 19. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us kill him cast him into some pit. We shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let's not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. That's what Reuben had in mind. Reuben was trying to, to, well, he was trying to walk that fence. That's what Reuben's trying to do. We know Reuben. We know Reuben. Whenever we try to walk that fence between the world and what God wants, the world and what our Father would desire, what do you think? Do you think Jacob would have wanted them to mistreat his son like that? No. No. Reuben knew that. But he's trying to walk the fence. He, he didn't want to get in trouble with his brothers. But he didn't want to get in trouble with his father either. We know Reuben. We're like Reuben when we walk in the dark and act like the light. Reuben was, was a hypocrite to his brothers. I, I, I want to have sympathy for Reuben. Give him a, give him a free pass, really. But... But shouldn't he have done more? Can't I do more? Am I sometimes quick to throw my brother under the bus when it's convenient for me? Verse 23. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers, they stripped Joseph of, of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was that was on them. Notice the similarity. This this is screamed out to me the similarity between Joseph and, and Jesus. Uh, Jesus, before he was crucified, they stripped him too. Uh, Matthew 27, uh, 28. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Joseph was mistreated by those who were supposed to love him. And so was Jesus. So was Jesus. Verse 24, Genesis 37. Then they took him and cast him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. This was, this was a wet weather pit, a, a cistern of sorts, deep enough to keep a 17-year-old from climbing out. Verse 25, And they sat down to eat a meal, and they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down from Egypt. They were called Ishmaelites, and they were called Midianites. Uh, the, the caravan probably contained a mixture of these people. Pat McGuire said very clearly and concisely this morning in class that, that uh, the Ishmaelites were probably from Midian, right? 
just like, just like uh, you're a Thompson from Sumner County. Well, you're a Thompson. It would be right for me to say you're a Thompson, Mickey, but it would also be right for me to say that you're from Sumner County, too, or a Tennessean. And that's the way we're supposed to look at that as well. That's a, it's a great way to look at it. These traders were headed to Egypt with spices and balm and, and myrrh. Remember, that's what hit me. Remember the gift of the wise men to Jesus. It contained myrrh and, and aromatic herb. Verse 26, so Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Judah stood the most to gain. Judah stood the most to gain by the absence of Joseph. Judas was, Judah was the fourth in line to lead the family to get the birthright after the failures of his older brothers. I told you about those, about Reuben this morning who... who slept with his stepmom basically and I told you about Simeon and Levi who, who killed the suitors of, their, of his sister Dinah murdered them they weren't going to get a blessing come let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh and his brothers listened then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. You know, Jesus, he went to Egypt as a baby in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. What really stuck out to me is the life of Joseph was worth a small amount of silver and so was the life of Jesus. Matthew 27, verse 9, Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced. Joseph's life was worth 20. Jesus' life was worth 30. Small amounts. It should make us think, about what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 37. We studied this this past week in our, in our Friday morning Bible study. We've been going through Mark, and we studied uh, chapter 8. And One of our elders, Danny Thompson, he remarked about this particular verse, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will you give? 20 pieces of silver, 30 pieces of silver, a new car, a new house, a new job, a straight A's. What, what will you give? A, a position on the baseball team, the football team, the basketball team. What will you give for your soul? Your family? Will you give your family up? I hope not. I hope not in 2014. Then Reuben, verse 29, returned to the pit. And indeed, Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes. Reuben, it seems, doesn't, uh, is not involved in the selling of Joseph. and We don't read about his brothers telling him. And he returned to his brothers. He said, the lad is no more, and where shall I go? We, we know Reuben. 
We know Reuben. Like Reuben, there's, there's lots of times when things get bad, and who do we worry about first? Me. Right? We worry about me first. But the brothers, they got a plan. They got this plan going. Look at chapter 37, verse 31. So they took Joseph's tunic. They killed a kid of the goats, dipped the tunic in blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? He recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without a doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. I, I thought about this when I was writing the sermon, and I didn't write it in, but I'm adding it, I guess. It was an old story about my granddad. And uh, he liked to, you know. And uh, he came home one day uh, and said, Johnny is dead. That's my daddy's name. Johnny's dead. He's dead. He's dead. And everybody in my family, everybody that was there, oh, no. And they were going crying and everything like that. And the reason why he said they were dead is because my dad worked in New Johnsonville and uh, Waverly had had that propane tank blow up back in the, in the uh, late 70s. If you, some of you remember that, the propane tank blew up and a lot of people died in Waverly that day. And my dad worked in New Johnsonville, was just past Waverly, and my grandfather came in saying that he was dead. He was dead. Well, everybody started crying. My little sister, she was probably six, she said, Daddy doesn't work in Waverly. He works in New Johnsonville. And everybody went, oh, yeah. They, they realized, you know, that, that he, he wasn't dead. Boy, they were so mad at my granddaddy. They were so mad at him for coming in and, and telling that story without knowing, you know, what it was. I felt, always felt bad for my granddaddy after that. You know, because he sat there and he was so sad. Can you imagine? I, I, I think of him like, like this. That's what I thought of when I read this about, about Jacob. How sad he was. And he didn't know. He didn't know the real deal. He didn't know the story. He didn't know how he was being duped. How he was being confused by his sons. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. He said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. Please remember that as bad as this story is, and this is a bad story. This, I mean... God is, un, with unvarnished truth, has shown us the way human beings really are. We know some of these people, don't we? We've been involved with some of these people before. He's shown us the unvarnished truth. But always remember, as we study about Joseph, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. As Brother A.C. says, God is an on-time God. God is an on-time God. Let me speak kindly to 
to the assembly here today. God has a plan for us too. The blood of the kid goat brought only sorrow to Jacob. But God's people, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13, God's people now in Christ Jesus, you were once far off and had been brought near by the blood of Christ. 1 John chapter 1 verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. The blood of that kid goat could do nothing to alleviate the pain of Jacob, but Jesus Christ's blood can save our souls. That's where the comparison ends. Joseph was a good man. He did a lot of good for his family. But he could not take away the sins of his family. Jesus Christ can. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But Jesus cannot make the choice for you today. He cannot make the choice for you to obey. Only we can only we can do that. And if this verse applies to you, Acts twenty two sixteen. if this verse applies to you, make the choice and come down. What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Come right now.